Today's podcast recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studio. And we are back for another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. Around the table tonight, we have Urban Fly Company's Mark Burns, big man on the board, Chris Sims, and the deer killer himself, Jim Franklin. Uh, I'm Jay Thompson, and uh, here's what we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, Sun Advisory, Chris was talking about just a second ago. It's always a good thing to mention. Uh, Jim's hunting. We had uh, our tying night, so we have tying night recap. Uh, Jay got loud and obnoxious and having a good, too much of a good time. Uh, but that'll all be in the story. <laughs> you were loud. <laughs> One I'd point, I'm like, Jay. Trying to, th- we were like, like literally, Michael and I are like a foot away. We're yelling, just trying to get over top of Jay, <laughs> just to have a conversation about what flies making. <sighs> Little room echoes. Yeah, you know, and I've and I have a voice that does carry, especially after a few beers. Um, I did some tying today. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, getting ready. Um, how musky act funny. Mark had a uh, musky uh, situation as well. He encountered. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of food. I got to eat some cool food yesterday, all kinds of different wild game. So uh, maybe we'll talk about some of our favorite wild game recipes. And uh, But before we get to all that, Mark, who we brought to you by? We've got Yeti built for the wild, Sims Fishing. Check them out, simsfishing.com. A-Rex Fresh and Saltwater and Cortland Lines, time of the year for the Pike Muskie Lines. Check them out. Friends of the show, we have Ryan Evans up at Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis down to Earth Wealth Management, Thomas Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods. Our friends over at Muskie Fool, and as always, the Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance. You know, it's a steelheading time of year. You know, if you're into the steelheading thing, uh, check out Ryan Evans. Go on, go on there, get what you need. He has all the steelheading equipment you can need. Uh, if you're up in the area, catch a guy to trip from him. You yeah. know, he's a great guy. Our good buddies. I'm going to go see him in a couple weeks. Nah, I can't wait. So nice. You're yeah. up there, yeah. And it looks like the fish are starting to come in with, with some certainty. Yeah, and some water. Yeah, finally. So, but uh, you mentioned uh, some sun. And you yeah. checked the other day, and uh, might have got a new listener. Uh, right. Uh, I know I harp on this uh, a lot, but I was in for my annual skin cancer exam because you know they found skin cancer on my face a couple years ago. So I go every year uh, after after the 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 summer heat and sun and everything uh, stand there and get looked over by increasingly uh, nicer and nicer nurses every year. And I, I just apologize because I'm standing there. Uh, no mysteries. And I say, sorry, ladies. I'm like this, this is the worst part of your day right now. <laughs> but I, I came through unscathed uh, again this year, which is, which is great news. But uh, I had a really cool interaction with the nurse. I've got a couple fish tattoos. Uh, and, and we started talking about fishing. And I was like, yeah, I really only kind of fly fish. And she's like, me too. And it's, it's her, her husband, and her whole family. So I think she said her kids were like 18, 16, 15. And they're all big fly fishermen. And her daughter goes to, to school down in Asheville, I think she said. And I said, that's, that's a good spot to fish. And they said, yeah, when, when, when they took her down, they, they took an extra day or two to go fishing. Hmm. So it was, it was pretty cool uh, to, to meet a like-minded person while I am completely vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation could have been worse, right? Uh-huh. But uh, it was awesome. So the main takeaway is if you don't, every year, 
go get your your skin checked. I mean, I had no idea I had anything, and they just happened to spot it randomly. I went in for a, a mole on my back, and they're like, well, let's take a look at your face. And they're like, what's that right there? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I never saw the spot they cut off of me. I, I still don't know what it looked like. He just cut it off of me and called me two weeks later, and they're like, yes, that's skin cancer. Come back, and we're going to cut more off. Okay. So go every year. If you don't uh, do it, it's, I mean, it's a $30 copay to not get skin cancer. It's worth it. Do it. And this is the time of year to do it. Yeah, you get a little bit uh, less tan on you. Which yeah. You don't look like you tan much anyway. I don't tan. No. We not just that burn it's it. any better. Just burn in layers, huh? Yeah, I go from... Uh, <laughs> I go from Jim peels off one block as the next. Yep, Scottish white to Irish red. I molt and right back to Scottish white. That's it. There's no We're like crayfish. Yeah, there's, there's no tan at all. But that's good. Well, I, I tan in the nude, so I'd have to ch- have them check me all over really well. Yeah. Buddy, you, do they prefer that, you know, nothing's left unhidden or hidden? You get a free tick check while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which are really bad right now. I I pulled one off. It was a uh, genital adjacent, so it, but it was, it wasn't there long, which is good. We pulled one off my boy's head the other day. It was fully engorged. Oh, I they're, hate that. They're bad right now. That scares me. Pulling them off kids' heads and stuff. Yep. I had to do that a couple of years ago. Yeah, we we pull a couple off the kids two, three times a year. We do a tick check every night, but our dogs are out in the woods all the time and they come in and they're white so we can see we can see the ones that are on the surface so we pull four or five off you know the fur and we put them in the jar of gas and but the ones that are under the fur we don't see and as the kids are playing with the dogs it just just happens you get some guineas yeah i I, I had them coyotes took care of my guineas yeah they're good for that yeah they really were guineas are loud oh yeah loud yeah they make some (laughs) heavy-duty noises yeah chickens will do it too if you get like free-range chickens yeah we're talking about we're talking about chickens they're Uh, not going to go in the woods though and and for some reason our we had a big flock of turkeys like 40 50 birds that would come through and pick through the yard every day we haven't seen them in weeks so maybe they moved on and and that that's not helping the tick yep shift to do a new area maybe i'll get a corn feeder out there there you go that'll keep them coming back yep but then they're gonna eat corn not ticks (laughs) <laughs> also true <laughs> Valid point <laughs> Hour four yeah. Not eating those nasty like ass a, things Yeah we gonna waste my own knees <laughs> Oh it's just funny Because chickens men We were at my sister's yesterday And they'll eat anything mm-hmm. I mean you could Cut up meat Whatever you want Toast It doesn't matter what it is That's one of the best Mousing animals That you could ever have On your property Is a chicken You think a cat kills mice Those chickens just They destroy mice Really? Yeah I didn't know that like watching Jurassic Park live action, just little Velociraptor running, running them down, kicking them, <laughs> you know, flaying them out with their spurs. Yeah, we'd like we we talked about getting chickens next spring. Build a chicken tractor, uh, have some laying birds all summer and spring, and then have a bunch of soup in the fall and maybe later in the fall so they can get some of these ticks. Oh yeah, yeah. My sisters run around pretty well. Uh, I got to see them do the same thing you were saying, Jim. With with uh, we had a grasshopper hatched a couple years back was crazy and uh boy they were just out there just all over these grasshoppers it was fun to watch i couldn't believe when we got ducks how much they eat 
frogs, like full size. I'm talking huge frogs. Hammer them, whoop, whoop, gobble them right up. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, never would have thought that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like all gone. It makes sense. I mean, ducks eat fish, and why wouldn't they eat frogs? Frogs are just slower fish. Yep. Come <laughs> Especially for some, like he had, you know, you had the normal like white farm ducks. Mm-hmm. They were you know? cool. They were. My sister has three of them. Uh, and they feed him a lot of uh, just, you know, feed and stuff. So they they actually, the eggs taste pretty good. Oh, I um, love duck eggs, yeah. We, they we, taste we great it. until they start eating that crap. Yeah. Then they start tasting like fish pond. But if they eat regular chicken feed, they taste just like regular chicken eggs. But they're big, got bigger yolks and... But yeah, they start eating out of the water, or they start smelling and tasting like it. I understand raising ducks is messy, though. They're messy, but they are so cool. They're on like a routine. They do the same thing all the time. They either don't want messed with, and they run from you, or they love you, and they run up, and they just sit and pet them. Every time I used to pull in Mark's driveway, whenever he had Mm -hmm. his last duck, man, all he hears is just, (laughs) and then he'd just be standing outside the truck door waiting for you to get out. He was cool. Oh, I think it was the best, man. I missed that one. The other ones, they were just all right. They like kind of they. If you caught them, they were good, but they didn't want messed with. Cheese? No, nah, he just ran right up. He's like, "Hey, dude, just pick me up." <laughs> His name yeah. was Cheese. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So ticks suck. Cancer sucks. Uh, but go go build yourself a farm. <laughs> yeah, build a farm and go to the doctor. <laughs> the end. Um. So Jim. Staying in the outdoors, uh, you did some hunting this morning, and uh, I don't know if you've been out any time before this. Got any close calls or anything? But uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, I've had a couple close calls. I mean, I've I've been mainly trying to focus on you know trying to get my kid a deer in between you know all the fishing trips and everything that that we've been all doing. And uh, this morning it was just I, I knew it was going to be raining. My kid, he's on COVID lockdown right now. His mom had COVID, so fortunately. You're out for this weekend, buddy. You got to stay home. But uh, it was raining this morning. Got in there at first light. And I was just sitting, you know, just looking around. Didn't didn't see too much right out of the gate, you know, right at daybreak. And then right at 8 o'clock, I had a group of does come working in off of the field out in front of me. And I've been studying the the paths that they're using to come across this field because they're traveling across this field heavy, so they're betting. They have to be betting on the other side because I always catch them coming out of there in the morning and then in the evening they're coming out of the thickets from behind me. So they're working back and forth throughout the day across there. So I notice that they're using this one trail really heavy. So I hunt out of a saddle. So I just made a couple little adjustments, switched trees. So I was able to get within 20 yards of this path. And sure as hell, 8 o'clock this morning, I'm looking out across that field and here they come. They walked right across, fed nice and slow. Probably took them maybe 10 minutes to get all the way over to me. And um, they were feeding down, you know, eating eight, the acorns that were left over on that path. Mm-hmm. And she turned completely broadside in front of me, came right out and gave me a perfect shot. I wanted to wait a little bit just because I could tell that they were on edge. They didn't like something. My wind wasn't bad, but, I mean, it's a first time really hunting out of that setup, so I don't know what they really expect. I don't know if they seen me maybe walking across or anything like that, but you could tell that they were on edge a little bit in the morning. And um, she fed, she turned completely broadside, and then she walked away from me for a second, like quartering away to my to my left. And then she turned and she quartered away to the right. And whenever she opened up that rib cage, I just, I laid the hammer down on her. I took it all. I mean, that was a 
heck of a shot. She only went like probably 27, 28 yards, and then she piled up. Nice. Good. Nice. Those, uh, from showing you guys those pictures too, them, them broadheads are serious. Yeah. Serious. I yeah. mean, that's a, that was a decent sized doe. That and I mean, punched a serious hole in that thing. I had half of a lung hanging out that hole whenever I found her. Wow. So, I mean, and then another thing too, um, that field, I don't have access to really go across that without going and knocking and getting permission. But they have horses. And when I shot that deer, it ran head first out that little wood edge straight into that fence. And boy, I got to tell you, whenever a deer hits a wire fence like that, that hard, that fast, it sounded like somebody took a yard rake down a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> skin it for you. <laughs> yeah. So deer went up and died in the backfield, you know, went and got access, you know, to go out and get it and everything. And uh, boy, those horses, those horses, they didn't know not know what to make of me. I came out the woods just in all camo. They're probably thinking Sasquatch is coming to steal them or something. But they, you know, they were coming closer to me, like kind of trying to check me out and everything. And then whenever I put that strap around that doe's neck to go drag her back over to the other side of the property, they lost it, man. They, as soon as they seen me pulling a body, they were out. They, they, <laughs> they took off. They turned around and they went right back up to the barn. Smart. But uh, got her out of the woods, got her all checked in and everything, and off to the butcher she went. So get more uh, deer sticks deer coming, sticks boys. Good. Nice. Nice. They were uh, the best. Checked in. You got to check your deer in in Ohio? So, yeah, whenever you check your deer in, you fill out your tag at the time of harvest before you move it. So, I mean, that's pretty easy. But you have mm-hmm. to do an online game check. So they give you, like, a confirmation number for you to actually successfully checking in your harvest. So it's recorded to your wildlife ID. Okay. Are you serious? Did you just see that play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. they ask you to report your harvest. Yeah. That, that's really it. Yeah, in order for you to Unless even... it's a deer. Or, yeah. a, I mean, a bear. I'm sorry. Unless it's a bear. You yeah. got to check bear in. Yes. Uh, but deer, they're, at the end of the year, they're like, hey, did you tell us how many deer you killed? <sighs> It'd be cool if you did that. But, yeah, I mean, like, at least where I take my deer to get cut up at our local butcher shop. You know, we got butcher and hauler locally over there in Trumbull County. Um, I mean, they won't even touch your deer unless you have your tag in that confirmation number. They won't even touch it. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, here you have to have the tag, but there's no there's no confirmation. Yeah, they anything. give you like I think it's a six or a seven digit code after you call and check it in and report what kind of animal you got, method of method of harvest, you know, time, all that stuff. Wow. I mean it's good to do that anyways, giving a harvest report at least. Then, you know, who's ever managing, you know, Ohio or Pennsylvania or even if it goes by whatever it is, the well, Ohio the counties or whatever you killed it in. Ohio, they uh, they we, they pretty much chalk it up like the deer over there are rats, man. I mean, they give us so many tag opportunities. I mean, I think total if you use every single county option that you have, because you're only allowed to have select harvests and so many deer numbers per county. But I think now I would have to check to see exactly. But I know you can shoot at least I think five or six deer now in Ohio. True. So I mean, you for just an average civilian without having landowner tags or anything like crop damage permits or anything, I mean, you definitely have a lot of opportunity to harvest some deer. Yeah, I think here it's four. So you get your buck tag when you buy your license, and then you apply for your doe licenses. Uh, Most of the areas sell out, though. So our doe tags sell out where I hunt pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, those ones do. Yeah, really quickly. See, I don't understand that. We have arguably the highest i think it is deer population why why are they selling out it was uh 
it's a continuation of Gary Alt's uh, plan for the Pennsylvania herd, effectively. So remember when Gary Alt came in and we got the antler restrictions, mm-hmm. and then they really limited the amount of doe you could kill. Really eliminated it. And yeah, then they, and now then they it's an issue. Season. Yeah, but I mean, like I think where I hunt, they give 75,000 tags away. So in that... That's in 2F, right? Yeah. I'm in t- I, do, I do one of my tags for there too. Yeah, so they do 75,000 tags, but you can only apply for one at a time. And then the out-of-state people get an opportunity to apply. So you have a two-week window to apply for residence. And then there's a two-week out-of-state application. And then you can apply again. Uh, get your second. To, then get, can, to get your bonus tag. Can you get an additional after that if you killed two doe? In some counties, mm-hmm. yes. If they if have they were the, left over and they haven't sold out. Correct. But usually, no. I still don't see why. <laughs> I still, I just don't, I don't get the, the capping at purpose. Not when you have a, like a deer population like we do. Yeah. There's probably an excess, I don't know now, five, six million. I mean, yeah. it was 4.5 million like 10 years ago. So yeah. we're definitely in, ex- in excess of 5 million plus deer. And it hasn't gone down. There's a lot. It's a good question for Google. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, is a good question for Google. I see as many as I've always seen. You know, I mean, it doesn't feel like there are any less deer in Pennsylvania. Well, so, and maybe this is aging myself, but I remember when I was, when I first started hunting, 12, 30, you know, 90, 90, 91, 92, 93, we'd see herds of deer that were like 30, 40 big. I don't, I don't see that anymore in rifle season. You know, I see three, four come across and then in a couple hours, three, four come across, but you, you don't see the herds like you used to see. When I was a kid. And I don't know if that's because of increased hunting pressure well, or what it is. Well, we don't see the temperature. Like, because I would agree with you. Like, in years, like, prior to, like, say, if taking it even back, like, a decade, 15 years or something like that, our gun seasons haven't been as cold as what they used to be. No, we used they to have, have not. blankets of snow and cold. So, I mean, that could be a contributing factor because whenever that cold temperature snaps in, that's what they're going to do. They're going to huddle up. I mean, it's warmth for them when they're bedding. They're going to bed in groups. Yeah. I wore a T-shirt. Last year, the opening, the opening Saturday. Um, yeah, I believe it. You go out there hunting a speedo. <laughs> some of these two years, years <laughs> two years ago was freezing cold. Yep. Last year it was quite a bit warmer. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being like twenty-two degrees first day two years ago. But I don't know either. I, I mean, apparently I'm totally wrong. But so far I've looked at four different things and I've got like three different answers. So. It's saying like 1.5 million. Yeah, Everything's also that. saying that Texas has 5.3, and like three websites aren't even showing PA with a million deer in it. So apparently there's no estimate that's reasonable. But everything's saying 1.5, which is absolutely ridiculous because that's it was over four million years ago. So yeah. I don't. I don't know. I there's leave, only like a couple the of them, and then yeah. But I got two tags this year. Uh, so I can kill three deer, uh, and yep. I, I intend to. <clears throat> I hope I do. Hope I can get one done in the backyard here soon. Oh, yeah. that may have been deer killed. I think that's deer killed. That may have been deer killed. That sounds right. But yeah, uh, I no. will. I will. I will take one deer, and I will. I will process it properly to get some steaks, some back straps, some tenderloins out of it. Uh, but the other two deer, that's all ground. I gr- other than the back straps, of course. I uh, I grind it all. 
this this go around, I opted. I, I tried something a little bit different. I used 15 pounds to do uh, mild breakfast sausage links. Nice. So I did one pound packs of that. So pretty nice little serving sizes. I'll give her a try. Something yeah. different. I'm, I make all my own sausages and brats and everything like that. So just give me the ground meat. Uh, or even cube it. I don't. I don't care because I I grind it again anyway when I cut it with uh, the pork butt. So yeah, just grind it for me or give it to me cubed. But the last couple of deer, I've done it. I've just done it myself. You know, like kill it and I go skin it and quarter it and take it home and leave it in the fridge for a couple of days until the wife says you got to do something with that goddamn deer in the fridge. And then <laughs> she's not a deer. No, she doesn't mind me hunting deer, or but she doesn't like uh, quarters of deer just on Shit. random shelves yeah. of the <laughs> of the garage fridge. You got a whole hind quarter sitting in the fridge. Yep. So I I'll go out and I'll just you know I don't, I'm I'm not meticulous about it. I just go in and I s- cut off as much silver skin as I can so my grinder doesn't get bound up and just cut it off in cubes and strips if, like a uh, caveman. If you uh, if you look up Dr. Grant Woods, he's a he's a wildlife biologist that specializes in in deer research, but he actually does a full tutorial on YouTube for how to take apart like break down a deer muscle by muscle. So oh, yeah. like you just start separating the different muscle groups and you cut them all off, and it, it it's actually it's fairly simple if you know what you're doing. Oh, abs- I, and I've done that many times. Uh, Bearded Butchers does one too. It's, it's yeah, they, newer, they did a pretty good one. They did a real good one. I just don't. I don't care about deer steaks. Uh, if I'm going to have a steak, it's going to be beef because there's fat in beef, and fat is flavor. So I like them in butter. Know, yeah, I like them in some butter. Like, but tender the the tenderloins are different. The the loins sure. and tenderloins are different. Backstraps. Yeah, I don't yeah. grind those up. I like doing steaks out of the hams and then cooking them in like a cast iron. But I like doing them like a little bit thinner, so you're cooking them quick, like minute and a half, two minutes aside on a hawk. That's it. You know, I'm talking like a half inch one, so it's still good and you know, medium rare in the middle, but you get like a little crust on the outside. Oh man, they're really good like that. Yeah, I'm just uh if I'm gonna have steak, it's gonna be beef or elk, but I don't kill any elk, so I don't get much elk. My uncle <laughs> Uncle Frank was a butcher. So he would come over and you know, it it made it really quick work. Last year he was he hadn't hunted with us for a couple of years, but he was there last year. And uh boy. Let that dude get a knife around them things, and he, I'm, you know, I'm taking, breaking things down. He's like, no, not like that. And comes over, for, you know, I had, you know, I'm not, I'm not him about it, but I can do it. But, yeah. Uh, he definitely knows what he's doing. I, I don't mind a roast, you know, here or there too. Have a couple roast out of it. Some you can throw in the crock pot with some vegetables or whatever else, and it's not terrible. I yeah. like that. Back when it was fifty bucks a deer, I would give it to a processor. Yeah. But, I mean, it's eighty. Now, if you're lucky, shit, yeah, eighty, and that's that's, that's, if you don't get that's anything. in the boonies where you yeah. live. Yeah, it's that's right. It's it, like a buck fifty or more now. And uh, Naples, he charges it's a hundred dollars for a basic cut, so that's just like giving you like your basic processing, like cutting yeah, up, you know, just bucks. a couple of things. But add anything to it, yeah, you're up, yeah, one sixty, one eighty. Yeah, it doesn't take stuff. much to add in there quick. I bet you my bill will probably be every bit of one hundred sixty, one hundred seventy bucks when it's all said and done. Nope. I will be, I'll be cutting all of my deer up this year myself at turn. But my, it's only 80 bucks at at, at my the, shop. The biggest thing that I the, the problem I have with doing my own is 
I time. Mean, it, it, it's time. Yeah, I mean, not only that, if you an area gonna, where if, you got to have a place to do it. Yeah, too. if you're going to process, you know, your own deer, it's in your best interest to let that guy hang for at least a day or two. Oh if, yeah. If, if, so yeah. if we have the temperatures, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's its own different set of statistics and doing your own deer in its own. So well, funny you mentioned that. I just ordered a gimbal yesterday from uh, Amazon, so I can pull my tractor up in the shed, and if we have the weather. Okay. Let it hang for a couple of days, but then I'll have to gut it. Cause you it, don't gut them? No, because I usually process them immediately afterwards. Like, if I shoot a deer, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to throw it on the back of my four-wheeler. I'm going to drive it back to camp. I'm going to hang it on the gimbal. I'm going to skin it while it's hot so the skin comes right off, and then I'm going to quarter it, and I can leave the guts in the rib cage, and depending on where I shoot it, uh, and I can leave the guts in and everything, and... There's not enough time that passes where anything bad can happen. Yeah. In my opinion. There might be a scientist out there to, to prove me wrong, Zach. But I think uh, <laughs> what, what I'm doing is safe. It is. Uh, it's definitely a lot easier to feel dress an animal hanging upside down, too. Yeah. A lot easier. Everything, let gravity do the work for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, I don't, I don't if I'm going to butcher it there at the camp, I don't got it. If I'm going to take it home, I got it, of course. So without gunning it, so you just leave your inner loins? Tragically, the last couple of deer I killed, I could carry out of the field with one hand. So, so you had some chicken nuggets? So there were no inner, I mean, there were inner loins, but it wasn't worth <laughs> the 10 <laughs> seconds. They were somewhere in between a hot dog and a kibasi. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't worth the effort. It makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you got to kill a real one to get some... Real good meat out of them. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. like taking a fillet off of a little baby bluegill. Well, it was, yeah. and in my defense, last year's we put a we put a stalk on. Uh, it was like a six hundred yard stalk. Walked up to, uh, or we we crawled up to this tree. Put I put my rifle down and I picked what I thought was the biggest deer out in this field. Uh, <laughs> and I I said to my buddy, I was like, "This is a long ass shot. I'm probably gonna miss. Can you just watch?" And I shot, and he goes, "You got it." And I was like, I'll be there. So we took the four-wheeler out, and I said, hold on. I'm going to get the rangefinder out. And it was 247 yards, which is a pretty long shot for me, right? Like, in Pennsylvania, you're not shooting more than 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, you felt like Chris Kyle. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> but it turns out there were no big deer in the field, and I picked out the biggest of all the small deer. And so it was. It was tiny. It's dying gasp. It was <laughs> just going, Mama. Yeah, I knocked the spots off of it. Mama. Two hundred and fifty yards. <laughs> but no, you can't tell sick. at that distance. You killed Bambi. Uh, it, it is hard to tell when they're running fast or at that distance or that kind of thing. It's just they, you know. I I've had the same situation. You know. It and happens. It's like you know, and you have to take a in Ohio. It's a little different, but PA, you got to take your time and. Look a deer over, and especially with the horn restrictions, you know, up there, up, up, what, up there, it's what, three up? Three on top, yeah. Yeah, three up. on top. And then here, it's, you have to have, what, four, or four on either end, or on one side. I think it's just three on top. Is it just three on top? Mm-hmm. Well, in some, in some WMUs, yeah, WMUs, it has to be three plus a brow time. Oh, yeah. you have to have a brow. Yeah, because some you can't count the brow as an up. 
So That's what we're, I thought. We're, yeah, we're where I shot my buck. I'm pretty sure you had to have three in a brow. Yeah, it, it it's different. It changes. It's stupid. I, I, I mean, think I think three up period should be the rule. But I wish Ohio had it. I really do. That's the only rule that that I really really like that yep. Pennsylvania does. I think it's a great idea. It's going to give you a lot better quality of deer. And it really has. It has really increased the quality of our bucks. It really has. Uh, but it's it's confusing because if you hunt in one in one county, and you cross the road, then you've got different antler restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think antler restrictions are a good thing. Three up makes sense. That I mean most of our most of our you know two and a half year old deer are three up. Yeah. Anyway, so, and that's really the bucks you should be shooting two and a half and older, because they're only going to make it to five. Yeah, if they're lucky. Yeah. I mean, with pressure, predation, I mean, vehicles. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard knock life for a deer. Yeah, really is. There's a huge, huge, huge study put on by Penn State, and it's still ongoing, where they've been tracking deer, uh, and they've got them named, and they've and it's it's really neat. I don't remember the name of the study, but it's humongous, and they've got a blog now about it that always updates their findings, and they talk about where they where they roam. You know, the deer tend to stay within a certain area, but once every other year, this one deer would walk like 15 miles away. Did it once when it was two, and then when it was four, it walked over there and died. Mm. I love it whenever you read any kind of information on yeah. the tracking stuff. Do you remember that coyote that somebody, it was like maybe six or seven months ago, I read an article about somebody tagged a coyote and it ended up traveling like 27 miles round trip. <laughs> like, that's incredible for a wild animal just to go, you know what, I'm going to go that way, and I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Well, th- we had... We talked about it a while back with uh, somebody that was on the podcast about that muskie in the Great Lakes that went all the way from like New York side to the Great Lakes, all the way up in the um, what uh, Lake St. Clair, yeah. yeah, the Detroit River, and then all the way back over to New York. I mean, and that's a muskie. Yeah, like you think you know most people just think they sit you know in one spot yeah. or anything like it's that. It's my tree. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But no, it's 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 cool to see them how they you know they're gonna chase bait or move with food or. To breed, whatever it be, move more than you think. Any kind of yeah. it's kind of like you know what it's about. like anything. Yeah, it's you're gonna have like one, but like even that, there's like 250 of them studied. One fish did it, right? Yeah. You know, you could put it on like a hundred codes. One's gonna. It's always like a couple of something just throws it off. It's like what the heck's the matter with that one, or what, why, and it's the it, pink salmon of the musky world. Yeah, it's just it, crazy. It was always cool shooting uh, banded goose. Uh, cause you, cause you have that mystery, like you, you call in your tag and then in two weeks it tells you where it was banded. And I got one from Canada and I got one from exactly half a mile from where I killed it. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't, you got that farm raised. Yeah, it was a, it was a Mercer County goose trying to get out. Uh, like sir you shot that one about four hours after we banned it (laughs) (laughs) it was a it was a small bird it was a juvenile bird (laughs) just let it out of a crate yeah oh well you win some you lose some yeah so uh fishing yes we had a well we can go we can go well we can go to tying night we had a tying night the other night uh we had a good time it was it was a fun night good probably usually it starts off a little quiet but we still had 10 or so of us there mm-hmm. it was decent nice who all was there uh derek andrew we had rick his dad um michael um, uh my blank and rick from local 
And uh, um, Jim was Ron, there. my buddy Ron. Ron. Yeah, Ron, Ron was there. Just, I think I'm still missing somebody. Yeah, I had I had multiple uh, trick or treating events to take the Incredibles to. All my kids went dressed as the Incredibles, and it was fun. I love watching them have fun, and the one was at their school, so they got to play with their school friends, and it was cool. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't get to go to tying night, but I still had fun with my kids. So yeah, it's memories that you won't get back, man. You're better off. Yeah, how many trick or treats do you actually get, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to tell like your kids. Yeah, fourteen. I'll say, fortunately, out of my house, none, which was nice. Where I live, there's nobody trick or treating there. Yeah, nobody comes to my house. Absolutely, yeah. I've got a three, two hundred and fifty, three hundred yard driveway. Yeah, and you see them stop at the driveway and look down and go, "Nope." Yeah. <laughs> the Amish don't uh, trick or treat, so <laughs> uh, no, we don't get any. But I do have, I do buy uh, two or three packs of full size candy bars. So anybody that says, "I'm going down that driveway." You're getting a full-size candy you bar. You buy those for yourself. I Get don't. the hell out of here. He's like, I'm going to buy Petus. these just in case. Yeah, he keeps the extras. The whole whopping one child that walked up your long driveway. The kid walks down and goes, damn, sugar-free. <laughs> sugar-free. <laughs> Since he's getting there going, I was supposed to have eight of these tonight. Now I got seven, <laughs> dang kid. So what if, if I lived like in town... One year I would do full size candy bars, and you know the word gets out. I remember when I was a kid, we knew the oh, houses. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, full size candy bars. And then the next year, oh, come on, just do like the one inch minis. <laughs> <laughs> Flip the script on them. Yeah, my dentist used to give out toothbrushes, and he lived in like the affluent area of Franklin, so that's where everybody went trick or treating. Sure. And, and he'd give out a toothbrush. Oh, the uh, the church down in Middlesex, they still give out uh, New Testaments, little tiny ones. Oh, for sure. Definitely giving out the Bibles. Wow. The Gideons would be proud. Yeah. They're, <laughs> I mean, they still, every year, my kid brings home in a little orange Bible. They're walking around orange. like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good, sir, but give the kids one. Give the kids one. Uh, so we're so we're watching the 49ers game. <laughs> yeah, so, well. yeah, so, yeah. You're going to hear some quiet spots. It's because of the 49ers game happened. And Mark happens to be a rabid 49ers oh, fan. They're, they're terrible today. I'm a sucker for the for the Bengals and Burrow. Yeah. My daughter has a Burrow jersey. So she's like the only kid at our school cuz you know, we live in Western Pennsylvania. It's all Pittsburgh fans. Like every kid there's a I'm like how many Pittsburgh jerseys cuz they had jersey day the other day. So she's out and they're wearing a burrow jersey. I'm like, how many burrow jerseys did you see? Two. She just saw two. So the one teacher's from Cincinnati area. All uh, right. Dayton, I think. And uh and her. You know? And that was Those it. Were the so, two. Yep. And then there she said there were like seventy five Pittsburgh jerseys. I, be- I believe it. <laughs> just in her yeah. class. I have but. three Pittsburgh jerseys. Four. I have a DeCastro jersey. I have two Kiesel jerseys. And I have a Mike Webster jersey. You better get a uh, T.J. Watt jersey. I want a T.J. Watt jersey, but I I don't want to reward the Steelers with any of my dollars of money until they learn how to play. Some until they fire Matt Can- Until they fire Matt Canada, <laughs> yeah. or hire anybody for the offensive line. Yeah, anybody could, be, could have Matt Canada's recording here. God. Yeah. Uh, you know things I took from uh, the other night's tying night. Man, Michael's starting to tie a decent fly. I I his his like the way he spun the deer hair wasn't bad. 
I mean, it looked it looked good. I mean, it, it was not doing it in, since last tying night. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he showed improvement though. I mean, like it it the, the spinning of the deer hair didn't look that. He got his own vice and everything though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, cool fish. Yeah, I wanted to see him. I haven't seen Michael in forever. Still, Michael. That's good. Yep. He was in Pretty rare good. form the other night. He was he oh, was yeah, enjoying himself. He was he was having fun. He's lubed up pretty good. Have a couple of whiskeys? Yeah. Attaboy. Yeah, I think he had a knob. Smoked like half a dozen cigarettes off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the smokes that did it. The end of the night. He's he's like, like he has them cigarettes. I'm like, yeah. He's like, it was, it was that this. fourth one, man. Yeah. It, it was, was that, that fourth one. one. That's the thing. Like, if you're not a smoker, like, oh, yeah. when you're a smoker, like, I smoked all through college. So when you're a smoker and you smoke and you drink, it doesn't do anything to you. But when you're not a smoker. It gives and you, you spins. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It'll 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 wreck your day. <laughs> oh yeah, you end up puking. Yeah, get yourself crossfaded, like that like <laughs> that that first little pinch of chew you've ever tried. Oh, that's the yeah. worst. I remember puking my guts out at eleven years old at my bus stop. I had skull apple, man. <laughs> that was what I cut my teeth with with, with the chew in world, man. Skull Copenhagen apple. fine cut. Chad puked on me <laughs> in the back of a. We were going to. Um, a concert, our first concert, uh, the Ozfest, in the back of the truck. But I gotta get out. I didn't get out in time. <laughs> puke all over me. Damn it, Chad. Yeah, don't chew, kids. No, that's that's bad for you. It's really bad for you, and it is incredibly addicting. Um, Derek, he was tying some flies, and his son was uh. Had seventy five dozen leeches. <laughs> was he tying and, uh, leeches? Yeah, and every oh, every tiny. every color. I got a good one off them. Yeah, every nice. every color, every kind you could ever think of. Um, they look good though. They're solid. You know, it's good to be able to. Uh, he's good at that fly, and he could you know manipulate the material. And it, when he moves on to tying a different fly, he's gonna have the basics down. Yeah, yeah. I need to get a hold of Derek. There's a there's a movement in my town to start a local Cub Scout group, and uh. They're like, do you want to be, you know, you want to be one of the leaders? And I was like, I absolutely do not. But I'm, ha- <laughs> but I'm happy to send my kid. But I, they, like, they hey, want- this one's got one in the age group and two more coming. He'll be perfect. <laughs> That's right. But I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Hey, that looks like a touchdown for the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Could have thrown I mean, it to Kittle, though. In, in the way that he's played all day. To turn around and throw two of them the whole way across the field off your back foot, and I'm, I'm surprised neither of them got intercepted either. You mean uh, you mean Mitch Trubisky? Oh. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> oh, dude, he just here you go. Yeah, he was. Uh, that's how Brock's played. He fed up a couple already that were just like completely direct to the other team. Anyway. But good. I'm glad you had a good tying night. Yeah, it was I'm, fun. I'm sorry, I missed it. When Derek, it, yeah, when like I said, he was tying one? some nice musky flies. Seventeenth. Seventeenth of November. Mm-hmm. Come hang out the weekend. The weekend before the Friday before Thanksgiving is that mm-hmm. right? Franklin Franklin's light up night. So I'll see all you tires in December. Jeez, you'll probably have something going on that one too. Most popular man in the world. Well, I host a I host a party uh, on the second story of my office. We do whiskey tastings and. Like by tastings, I mean like everybody brings a bottle and we all drink a bottle of whiskey, and <laughs> we get some food and watch the parade and let the kids run around and it's fun. Whiskey tastings. Um, hey, you guys want to take a quick break on that? No, no, I gotta, I gotta get a drink and uh, 
Yes. So I did uh, staying on the tying night, and my dad was there, and he was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna start tying. I'm gonna so. And awesome. he, he's, he's tied before. He ties his own flies, simple flies, you know, woolly buggers, egg flies mostly, small nymphs, anything of that nature. Um, but, you know, even the white desk, they came over, showed him how to put it together. Him, him and his buddy came over today, and uh, we had a good time. We sat for hours, actually, uh, tying and tying and tying. And, I mean, I got over a dozen uh white deaths tied today myself so nice i just kept tying and tying them so they could just keep watching and you know over over the couple hours watching them put you know a uh, half dozen or so together themselves that they, they got a lot better you know as it went on they looked a little better the first ones were a little scrappy looking i'm like oh they'll still fish as long as they're you know tied together good at the head and they're knotted well and you know it doesn't they don't have to look great to fish they're right. going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. I mean, fish aren't down there critiquing them, but, you know, your friends are, you know. But uh, so, you know, they're all going to fish. But it, as they went on, they definitely got better. It, just the little things, you know, separating the material uh, where you tie in a little bit of a tail on the on the fly with the rabbit strip, separating that material so it's not all smashed down. Right. You know, just making it Pull look. It, pulling make, the hair yeah, off. Yeah. Pulling the hair apart putting your thread there, then, you know, pulling it back, threading in front, you know, that kind of stuff, just so it looks cleaner and better, you know. Not that it makes it, like, not that it makes any difference. Well, it's just floating down there, going to the the bottom of the Niagara, probably into a rock anyway. (laughs) Um, But even yet, you know, just it makes you want to pick that thing out of the box, you know. Yeah. And it's always nice to be, you know, to look at a fly that you just got done making. And, oh, man, that looks good. You know, it doesn't look like a pile of hot garbage. That looks good. Yeah, and there's something about uh, catching a fish on your own fly. There, there really is. We were talking about that today as well. And uh, my dad, oh, I love catching fish on the flies I tied, you know, myself, and just started bear hook. And his buddy's like, I don't, I could, I could give a shit less. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't care. I gotta buy. I'm just, I'm just out there to catch the fish, you know. Well, that means he's never done that. Yeah, and he doesn't tie as much. And and, th- and that's okay. You don't have to, but you don't know how much it means to do it until you've done it. Right? Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, you could watch all the videos you want, but until you know yeah. how you've actually done it. Yeah, you. Do- I mean, I guess it's the old phrase, you don't know what you don't know. But, you know, if you're content just catching fish on anybody's flies, once you tie your own and you land a fish on your own fly, there's a there's a a switch that goes off and you're like, okay, that was cool. Definitely. F- I, I love it. I love the feeling. I mean, not that I won't fish other people's flies and I, I like that too. Don't get me wrong. Cause just the time and getting other people, you know, the great flies that other people tie. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it is for me is, is time, right? Like, like I will, ne- no matter how much I tie, I will never tie a Buford as well as Mark Burns. No. Ever. Uh, so I'm going to give Mark Burns money sure. to tie me Buford's. <laughs> it's the easiest three-step tying process you could have. Go online, add to cart, check out. And, and it's not even that. It's, it's te- I, I like that. It's this. Hey, Siri, text Mark Burns. <laughs> Mark, I need da 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 uh, What's your PayPal? Or how much do I owe you a tying night? Or a podcast, whatever. Wait, didn't I see a couple of those on the table? 
Yeah, they're not here anymore. Oh, did <laughs> somebody take them out to the car already? No, I. Uh, oh, we had, we had to do a little bit of maintenance. Oh, oh I, cool. I forgot to I forgot to bring those. I was messing to see with the keel weight on them if they uh, most of them are wrapped in. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna see if you add it and glue it. See if they'll hold on them. New, wrap them in. All right, they got enough UV on them now. They're not moving. No, that'll be extra keel weight now. They're gonna they're gonna definitely ride right. So yeah, UV'd them ones in. They'll be fine. Are they the um like scud weight mm-hmm. or is it just like a two Rap. or oh two five or whatever? Oh three oh. Oh three oh. How many how many wraps? Mm, there's quite a few. I don't have any idea. You just eyeball it. You've been doing it's it long probably enough. Probably inch and a half piece or so. Okay. I don't know, probably ten or so, give or take. Eight or ten wraps maybe. Enough to cover a decent bit of it. Yeah. And uh it works. Mm-hmm. Plus <laughs> sweet. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. I yeah, pulled I'm, some fish lately. I'm really digging the the bulkhead and the minnows a, a lot, you know, especially on the river. You know, mm-hmm. I because it, it needs to cut. They do. They cut a little better than a Buford does. They do. They swim very similar. I don't know. I think the bulkhead's probably a little wider. It's not as tight and narrow of a turn as like a, a Buford is, but gets down. Fish is good. Yeah, and that's what well. I need on the river is for it to get down. Yeah. I got all the confidence in the world in the bulkheads. Yes. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> Put most of all your fish in the boat. Do you got anything other than, on anything other than a double bulkhead? white Buford? That's right, a double. That one I put in my boat. Yeah. Love, 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 love musky. I'm ready to. I'm ready to hit the river again. I bet soon. And now it's it's looking good. The problem is. Those weeds are starting to cut loose, mm. so there's leaves everywhere now, and the weeds are cutting loose, and you can't bring a fly back without bringing one of the two oh, back with you. We just need a quick blow. Bring us like Story two inches. Of my life, bring us brother. Like, yeah, <laughs> bring us a couple inches of rain overnight and just push all of them leaves and weeds and crap through. Yep. Because uh, we, had, we had a record number of weeds this year no, in the river. Just too low at the beginning, got too hot. Yep. Way too hot, way too fast. And then, yeah, there were times, you know, I'd be running and my, my jet would just suck up weeds in the middle of summer and it's usually not that bad on the river. Uh, like some of the bigger lakes, some of the weedier lakes up north, I can, I can count on having to stop at least once or twice and get weeds out of the jet. But usually not on the river. Usually it's not that bad. Right now it's probably going to be leaves. You know, with the rain and the wind we had the last couple of days, we lost two thirds of our leaves in the last three or four days. Since no, yeah, Friday a little bit, and then man, Saturday, Sunday, the last two days have just been yeah. They all came down yesterday with all the rain. Yeah, except the for the oaks. morning rain. I still have green oaks in my woods. Sure, it's unreal. And uh, Norway maples are also they're going to hang on until spring probably. Oh. Not good. Take out football. Football not good. The Norway oh, the Norway maples can hold on to their leaves as long as they choose. Oh yeah, they will. <laughs> um, oh, and you can you can use those for syrup. Huh. I mean, it's like sixty to one, but it's all part of the soup, brother. Because a, a sugar maple is forty to one, and a red maple is between fifty and sixty to one. So the Norway maple is about sixty to one. Hmm. We put it all on the same tote and run it through the RO and cook it down. 
I'm I'm ready to see that. I was telling you off the air the other day. I'd like to come up there and see that happen and drink booze with you guys. Yeah, we uh, we usually we usually tap the trees in the middle of February. It's all weather dependent, right? And then we're we're rocking and rolling by the end of February, beginning of March. And we only get five or six weekends of it. So we gotta that's that's what we do all weekend. Saturday, Sunday, we're out there collecting and cooking and it's fun. Making that Neapolitan maple syrup. <laughs> That's right. So something I'd seen on uh, with a few of our friends, uh, and Mark had told a story on Friday, uh, just, you know, of mu- Muskie acting funny, you know, and um, coming up short striking. I know Dustin said he had a lot of fish that he moved the one day, our buddy Dustin Hines. Uh, and then, you know, them coming up short striking, next day being on fire, you know, and then the last day being just total crap. Muskies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Muskies. <laughs> but, you know, I thought Mark could put some sense to it. He, uh, you know, fishes for muskie more than the rest of us. So, you know, we talked about it with a few other guests before about the cycles and stuff. But uh, go ahead, Mark, on what you think. No, I mean, usually that's just the end of like a crap pressure system that's going into like a moon. So, I mean, you've had complacent temperature for a few days and then it's turning right into a moon. I mean, like them few days would be great for like people trolling, moving baits quick. Then like the end of that comes, and them fish are ready for that moon to change, and are ready for that pressure system to change or do something. And that day that it does, they go off. So yeah. what what pressure system do muskies like most? I mean, what I've found is just something that isn't the same for a period of time. When it's the same for a long period of time, like we get bluebird skies for three or four days, it's gonna be terrible by the time you get to that second, third, into the fourth, fifth day. And then, like, you might start to get a little bit of a change day six, and you'll start to see them acting funny. And then you'll either get, like, a moon phase or day seven, you get that change where something rolls in, and then, boom, then fish turn. A lot of times, like, before a full moon, they'll do that, or around it or something. They're always weird. And it's just, I mean, you you see it during days. I mean, there's be mornings you'll move a couple fish. They're just weird. They're just not right. And then afternoon, major hits, and then the fish just engulf it in figure eight. They came up before, and they're nudging it. They're not opening their mouth, and now all of a sudden they're just crushing it. Yeah, I have just something in it. It's, it's be nice to know exactly what it is and when, but typically if you start seeing them, just be patient. If you're seeing them do that, it's going to turn. That fish is it's, There's going to be a bite window. It's that, or it's he ate, and he's just escorting it out. But if they're nipping and they're at it, then it's usually not the case. If they're two, three feet behind it and they're lazy, then that, yeah, that might be. That fish may have been up there just resting after he ate, just escorting it. But if they're usually nipping or they're acting weird, they're going to eat at some point. They're ready. They're just something not right. Usually lateral line pressure system. So what do you think is more important? Uh, a change in weather or like a perfect new moon major? Change in weather is always going to trump everything, period. Period. I, I agree completely. Because it depends on whatever that weather's coming off of. You know, if it's five 80-degree days and you're getting a drop to 65 with some wind coming through, that 65 and wind's going to be heck of a lot better. And that may be a first quarter at a 15%, and three days prior could have been your full at 100. But it was junk then, you know? Right. So it's just all it's... And I think more than anything, too, there's a period of every day. It's just we're working off of when we're there and when we see it. There's a lot that happens when we're not there that them fish eat, too. They may not during the day. might be crap during the day. Nighttime comes, they're gonna, they could feed. 
I think that's what crushes a lot of us weekend warriors is, you know, we, we only get so many days that we can fish. And so like me personally, like I try to time my fishing away from the family, time away from the family based on like my favorite is a, a new moon, uh, more than a full moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I'm going to try to fish every new moon. But like you said, like if we're in day three of a high pressure system, I, it don't I, matter I, if it's a new moon I, or yeah, not. Yeah, I got to ask myself, do I want to take this day off or not? And I usually say no and then flex it for a time where, you know, we're coming off three 60-degree de- bluebird days and the next day the high is going to be like 41. That's the day I want to go fish is that, that high of 41 after a couple warm days. Well, I mean, that's even like, like the, tomorrow. Like the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to keep going down. That bottom spike is going to be tough. That's even like the other day, like the fish we were talking about was a Tuesday. I had my truck in for a recall, and Michael was off. So he's like, I'll drive. So he's like, I gotta, I'll get you at 8. It was cold in the morning. He had something. So And the sun's barely up at 8 right now. Well, it, you know what? It was like 29 degrees. There was frost. But as soon as the sun came up, it was one of them days the sun was like blazing. There was not a cloud in the sky. So it was just junk. And the first couple hours, speaking of which, I saw the weirdest thing, too. So the first, like, couple hours were going by, and we're not seeing anything. And I'm standing there, like, behind Michael talking to him. I'm like, see, there's, like, nothing going on. I was like, there's no birds chirping. There's no chipmunks moving. Nothing's running around. He's like, there's a bird. I'll go over and I'm like, it's a pigeon. <laughs> so this pigeon makes, like, two <laughs> swoops around the hole, and he just goes right down and just, like, bidets himself. Smacks the water, takes a dump, and flies right up into the tree. <laughs> I'm just like you, like I was shocked. I'd never seen a, a, a bird, let alone a pigeon, do that. Yeah, he just makes like two little loops around, just goes right down to the water, drops a deuce, and off he goes. Can you imagine how better this yeah. earth would be if all birds did that? I was just like shocked, <laughs> and he just got to look at me. He's like, "That's better than on our head." So like it, when it was just that full sun all day, and then I don't know whether I maybe just lucked into one, but nothing was really moving along. And then I saw some bait fish coming along, and they all kind of at one point just kind of like shrapnel, just poof. And it wasn't like anything ate, but it's like, eh, there's probably a fish over there. So I threw over and was just kind of working it back like just super slow because I've tried everything else at that point. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just throwing fluorescent yellow one and a bright sun and see what happens. And Probably got like eight foot at the end of the rod. And is that eyes? I pop it one more time <laughs> and it like turns back broadside and it just shoots right up and closes its mouth. So at this point, it's probably like eight, 10 feet off my rod tip and it's like a stare off. You gotta be kidding me. Because like I know he's like not gonna do anything. So we were just like kind of like a quick stare. And I'm like, well, this isn't good. Is he's not gonna move his head? I can't spook him from where I'm at. So there's no way he's going to see me. And he's just going to open his mouth up and just spit this fly right back at me. So as soon as he, like, starts making that, like, mouth movement, it's probably been, like, I don't know, maybe, like, second and a half, two seconds, like, enough for me to register that he's not going to move. I take my left foot, put it behind me, and I get both arms and reach down and just with both hands, as hard as I can, just strip this thing and just sent the fly. Poof! Right past my head. <laughs> and he just fit. I pulled it out of his fou- mouth fast enough that it literally didn't move. It, it just stayed there sitting, staring at me. I looked back down, took the fly rod, stuck it in the water, and started figuring right back in front of him. You he didn't just, sting it? No. 
nothing. He just turned and swam right back off, and that was the last I saw. It's like, I'm just hoping that this hook is just a little bit up when I do this because he right. wasn't going to move, and I'm like, he's just going to spit this fly right back out. That's weird that, the, that it didn't turn when it ate or well, go I up mean, or down. In that scenario, when you're working a fly back that slow, he's just creeping behind it, and that was kind of like the last gasp because like where I was, like I said, he couldn't see me, so I was able to pause that fly high. And I was like up above him, like just like leaning down. I over. know where you are now, then. And same spot. Yep. Yeah. And it, it was like the fly was just poof. It like like kind of like right came up and turned sideways, and he just kind of came right up with it. So he wasn't like actively coming in to like whack it and go, which would have been better. But how do you? I don't. Is what it is. Any size? Small 30, fish? Two, three, four. No, that's a reasonable. Nothing special. That's a couple year old fish. Though, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty fish. I got to see plain as day. It's colored up real nice. Had spots all over. But cool. No, wasn't meant to be on that one. But that was the only fish that we saw. It was just literally just as soon as that sun came, it was just blazing sun. Monday. No clouds. That was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, because we had ice. Like yeah. I had. I had ice on the windshield, mm-hmm. and I had a bucket out front that we had just washed some pumpkins with. And, I mean, the ice was thick. It was like a half an inch of ice in that bucket. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. My fingers were freezing at work that morning. Oh, yeah. I remember it. Or were you outside? Oh, yeah. Oh, siding. Yeah. Woo. Oh, ah. got to love siding in the cold. Yeah. It was It was a cold morning, though. That was for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you What's said, as soon as that sun came up, boom, we were it fine. Was roasting. Nine, yeah, you were nine shedding. o'clock, I was good. Yeah, yeah shedding, shedding all layers. my clothes. Yep. yep. You're not snapping siding anymore. That's yeah. a good feeling. Yeah, not breaking <laughs> it. Yes. Yeah, other than that, no. Tying my, tying like crazy all day, every day. So you have a. Uh, I mean, that's good time. though, right? Yeah. Business wise. Yes. Keep me busy. You have an event coming up as well. Yeah, the twelfth. Uh, what eleventh and twelfth? Be in New Jersey for Fly Tying Symposium. So nice. I will, will be one to two, one to three thirty. I'm sorry. On Sunday the twelfth is when I'm going to be there, or when I'm going to be doing. I think Saturday they have like a tires row type deal where I'll be s- probably sitting on that for an hour. But Sunday, yeah, it'd be one to three thirty. And yeah. that's and that's at uh, Somerset, New Jersey. Um, I believe so. Yes, it's not the one at Edison, so that would be that. I think it's the Fly Tying Show is the website, I believe. Yep. Because there's two of them, not the one you're thinking of. They have that one. They have the Lancaster, the one in Colorado. Yep. This is by this is his dad actually that, that runs this one. International Fly Tying Symposium. Yep. Uh, and it looks to be in Somerset, New Jersey, which is where the fly fishing show used to be. And then they moved. It's like 40 minutes away yeah, from where and it then is they, now. And then they moved it to Edison. Yeah. So at this, are you going to be like demonstrating flies? Uh, is it selling flies or no? This will be. I won't be selling any flies. No. The um, one or the Saturday will be just tying. The Sunday, it's a you have to like purchase tickets for the class. So it'll be a two and a half hour class for all to just be demonstrating. Cool. How to use bucktail, different types of ways, different stuff with it. Bucktail, bucktail, bucktail. Do you have uh, like what flies will you be showing? You know, I mean, what kind of, are you just kind of going to go through how to reverse tile tie? Or Yeah, I think just mainly probably like what I do and why. I mean, I'll go over the basics of the, you know, the different types of, you know, methods of tying with bucktail. But the reason why I reverse tie and then just kind of like fine tune because, I mean, you can 
run into different issues. So I kind of like going through them and showing, you know, like, okay, like what happens if you have this type of fiber and what you have to do to manipulate it? Or if you're running out of room, what do you have to do to make this work? And where you put the pressure at? It's just things that like, I don't notice I do anymore because it's all natural. But once I take a second and, you know, break it down, stuff like that. So that when you're tying and you run into issues, it's like, all right, well, I showed you how to do all of this, but it's not like you're going to do that 100% every time. So here's what you're going to do when you screw up, and here's how you fix it. So yeah, and because trying to do more of that, more than you know, I mean, yeah, I'm going to go over everything and like the structure of the fly, but I want to kind of hit on a lot of that stuff too. How to manipulate the different types of fibers and what to use where, and kind of break down a bucktail. And here's these, and here's these fibers, and here's a different tail with different fibers, and you know, if you run out of real estate here's what you do and stuff like that yeah and if you want to go see mark that's the 2023 international fly tying symposium it's at the double tree and somerset hotel and conference center in somerset new jersey saturday and sunday uh tickets are less than 20 bucks a day so if you're out that way if you're over in that area i believe it's 80 is what the tickets are for the actual class Oh, I don't know that. I didn't. I didn't look into there. It should there should be a spot somewhere for fly tying classes. Yeah, show prices are eighteen dollars for Saturday, fifteen dollars for Sunday, twenty eight dollars for the weekend. Let me see. Sunday one to three thirty. Yeah. Big flies for even bigger fish. Uh, I just tried to buy a ticket. Yeah, boy. So I'm going to let you know. Mark Burns, Big Flies, Big Fish, $80. There you go. Heck yeah. There you go. And you're in, I mean, you're in with some, like this isn't, this isn't a nothing. Like Curtis Fry, Tom Rosenbauer, Pat Dorsey, Alan Rupp. Like there's, there's some names in there that you're tying with. That's, it's pretty cool. Thank you. Should be a fun time. Be nice to meet some new people. There'll be a lot of people there that I've never seen before. Yeah, and if you want to check it out, it's the International Fly Tying Symposium.com. So do that. Support Mark. Appreciate it. Heck yeah. I mean, that. so you going out there <coughs> solo? As far as I know. Yeah, because I have to room with somebody. Oh, nice. Okay. Sweet. So that's kind of part of the gig. Heck yeah. One of the other people that are a part of it. So Hopefully you get yeah. Rosenbauer. That'd be yeah. cool. <coughs> That'd be interesting. You know, I'd be a fun guy to room with. I like Tom. Uh, I don't know that his waivers would include uh, sharing a room. I can guarantee <laughs> you that probably <laughs> does not. I've I've fished with with Tom and and Pete up on the Cape. Uh, fun guys, fun guys. Uh, and let me tell you that Pete. Dude can cast. Yeah. Dude can cast. Yep. He's got some good videos. Like when my wife wanted to learn how to to cast, I'm like, look, I'm not going to be the one to teach you because I don't think a husband should ever teach his wife a new a new hobby skill. You pay somebody to do it or watch a YouTube video because I'm going to be overly critical. So I'm going to I'm going to stay out of it. So like I hired. I heard oh, yeah. died. <laughs> I just failed and I just never gone back to I it. I just failed. <laughs> yep. I, I punted. Left, left it alone. Punted and moved I'm on. I'm never teaching my wife to row. 
It didn't end well. Quit tapping me on the shoulder. You're being an asshole. Well, I was just telling you which arm to row with. You don't think I know? You don't think <laughs> I can figure it out, Jay? Well, <laughs> she wasn't figuring it out well enough, and I think I was losing my patience and tapping too hard. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird how we how quickly we lose patience in somebody that we love because we think they should be able to do it right away. Or oh, no sure. Yeah. Right away. And they, they have no idea. They've never done it. They have no clue. But we think... I do that with my dad a you lot. Should, I do it with my dad and my mom yeah. and my wife. And it's a it's a character flaw, but uh, one of many. So just chalk it up to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, you know... You know, in the relationship, you know, we're always working on me. You know, there's no working on her. It's always working on me. I, I, I've I met you both. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> never anything wrong with anybody. It's me. That was the best onside kick I have ever seen. Oh, I didn't even see it. And they got it back. That uh, was an incredible onside kick. Hopefully they win. Damn Baltimore. Hey, just beat Baltimore. I That's know. it. That's that's all I care about. Here, watch this replay on this thing. That was an incredible onside. Beat Baltimore, beat Cleveland, beat Cincinnati. That's all I really care. I mean, I yeah, every one of your division rivals was going to win this week. Yeah. Cincinnati already did. Baltimore, they, they're going to win. And tragically, they're all better than the Steelers this year. Did Cleveland win yet? No, no, no. no I'm sorry. Cleveland lost. Oh. Seattle did win. That's a Cleveland thing, though. Losing. They're good at it. Usually in a horrible fashion. Or they'll beat they'll <laughs> beat a couple decent teams like they have the last two mm-hmm. weeks and then they'll go ahead and, you know, lay an egg against the team that they played today. Which Seattle's not bad either. They're great at beating themselves. Is 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 a it's a Cleveland thing. Like well, I'll go to the office and the guy I work with is from uh Akron Canton area. And uh he always he always roots for the, the Ohio teams. And I'm like, Look, I don't have to root against the Ohio teams. The Ohio teams are good enough at beating themselves that I don't have to worry about it. Because if Cleveland, Cleveland's itself a lot. Yes, Cleveland does. Yes, and they weren't called the Bungles for a, a number of years for not bungling it out. Not right. this not this Bungle team. They seem to have their shit pretty close to together. Do you remember four or five years ago during the Perfect and Pac-Man eras when they had the Steelers beat by like three touchdowns? Oh, sure. In the, in the AFC Championship, ga- not championship game because it wouldn't have been, but no, it's it was a round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and they penaltyed themselves like ninety yards in the last three minutes, and the Steelers came back and beat them. Oh yeah, oh I loved that. They they penaltyed themselves into losing the AFC Championship game last year. Mm-hmm. Laid it on Mahomes. Sure enough, which wasn't you know, it was all. If it wasn't Patrick Mahomes, it might not have been called. It's a Cincinnati move, and people will expect that kind of Cincinnati move. Yep. This year, you're just going to beat him even worse. All right, away from football again. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it is. There's a lot of football on today. It's a good football day. Um, I have uh, food, some food from yesterday that we get. To, I get to eat all, all wild game. And, you know, I want to talk about some of our favorite wild game types of things to eat. Uh, yesterday I was with Chad, so he ended up bringing some of the bear he shot. I don't know if we mentioned he shot a bear yeah. on the podcast, but, uh, yeah, we, we, LA we, baby cub. So it was very tender, <laughs> um, <laughs> since it was such a small, since he basically killed it out of the womb. Uh, but it was awesome. <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was, I mean, it was, 
it was a damn it was damn good. I I had some bear before, uh, you know, di- made different ways, and it's 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 not ever bad. I mean, I guess it's always you know kind of a little more gamey. I mean, he you know yeah, thing that had no time to eat anything else other than milk. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, still his mouth was still white. That, the the veal of the bear world. Yeah. D- that that poor bear didn't have time to get worms. No. Yeah, and that's that's the problem with bear is you have to cook it completely through. Uh, and so every time I've had bear, I've been like, there are much better meats. Yeah. Isn't it, uh, aren't the, like the fibers and like the, the actual cords of the meat, aren't they like really, really thick? I don't know the answer to that. Isn't it like a stringy type of meat? This wasn't bad. Whatever this was, this was like the backstrap of the bear, I guess. Okay. Um, they just said it was in there. That looks all right. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's it. a brand new bear. So it's got to have a real nice tender backstrap. Yeah. Uh, hasn't had to carry any weight yet. Um, my brother-in-law he made some uh, barbecue venison, so awesome. Always good, you know. Throw that on a sandwich. Um, he also cooked some uh, pigeon. Uh, squab. 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 That's what the. That's how you say pigeon in fancy. Okay. Well. Squab. Their breasts are really good if it guess it you're not shooting it off the side of a building, <laughs> uh, and it's ate McDonald's French fries its whole life. Um, so, you know, it was great, and they were a quite a bit bigger than um, Dove. Right. And I'll tell you what, man, like it's not that bad. You know, it, it was pretty good. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, and there is no season and no rules. On shooting pigeons? Yeah, you could go out there with a thousand bullets in your shotgun, extended clips, full, fully automatic, whatever. I, I don't know about all that, but you know. Was yeah, he no, like around there's, like there's, feed places? There's no or season. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, farms, just go around the fields, farms and stuff. Yeah, a lot of silos have huge pigeon populations, and you'll yeah. see them just doing loops yeah. around the silo. We used to run into that dove hunting a lot. Yeah. The, the the pigeons would do loops around the silos and the barns and stuff. Oh, they'll just whack them down too. So it was very good. They were shot that morning. Uh, so he put it right on the skillet. And it's it's a little more of a red meat than it is a chickeny right. kind of meat as well. They had some uh, duck. They've been shooting a lot of ducks, those fellas. So they also had some duck they'd shot the day before on Saturday. A lot of wild game. The duck was just seared, rest, same nice. way, you know, on a flat, the, you know, little, uh, iron on top of it. So, salt, pepper, very good though. Yeah, I like duck. I like duck a lot. Uh, me personally, like I don't. I most game that I've cooked is you know mostly deer. Right. You know, uh, I've done a few turkeys. I like to put them on a spit personally if I can. Oh yeah. Might as well do them that way, rotisserie yeah. style. I mean, it doesn't dry them out or anything like that. So, um, but anything that you guys cook up, uh, squirrels, anything weird that you cook, or any, you know, what's your favorite game and how do you like to prepare it? My favorite wild game that I can't get anymore is ruffed grouse. Ruffed grouse, in my opinion, is the best bird out there, taste wise. I mean, it was, it's just fantastic. Uh, I don't mind pheasant. Uh, I prefer uh, Midwest pheasant over Pennsylvania stocked pheasant. <laughs> but I, I like pheasant. El- elk is 
Elk's awesome. I mean, yeah. If I had to, if I had to pick one, it would be elk. Uh, it's it's good, but again, elk doesn't have a most wild game doesn't have a lot of fat in it, so your flavor has to come from that game itself. And if you don't like gamey flavors, you're out, right? Elk's, I mean, pretty close to steak. It really is. I mm-hmm. mean, it's as close to steak that I've tasted. Uh, my brother-in-law shot an elk on a hunt uh, out west a couple years back. and So I got to eat quite a bit of the elk and uh, just cooking whole pieces, you know, on, oh, yeah. on, you know, searing them and slicing thin. That always seemed to be the way, like, you know, the way to go. Like a like a London broil. Yes. Yep. And you're just, you know, braising, cooking, slicing thin. I I put in for my elk license every year in Pennsylvania, but uh I, I looked at the numbers, like eighty thousand people applied this last year for one of what, eleven hundred elk tags, something like that. So my odds are pretty low, but they're better than the Powerball, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of guys, even from out of state, that do that. Oh yeah, that thing, you know, tons of people. Very popular. Yeah, I'd love to see them, you know, proliferate throughout Pennsylvania. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if they're, you know, trying to keep them contained to that area, or what. But there's no reason elk couldn't thrive throughout most of northern Pennsylvania. I don't know why the herd hasn't expanded from where it's at in Benazet. It's not like there's fences. Right? I don't I don't maybe it's the hills, maybe maybe it's the culling every year. You know, you kill twelve hundred elk. I don't I don't know how big the herd is. I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently about it. Uh so I'm gonna just make shit up for the next <laughs> twenty minutes about <laughs> it. <laughs> but no, Jimmy, you know, you, you kill a lot of stuff. Go ahead. What what do you like but something uh, different and some something that's a little bit different. Um I'll I'll take it over to the turkey route. Uh I haven't been able to do this in a in a while, but um we used to uh smoke the breasts and uh we would make like almost like a spinach artichoke dip and man with Ritz crackers, oh dude, you'll tear them up. Make it like we used to um uh, save them up and then like whenever you know, used to have Super Bowl parties and stuff back in the day, we you know, we'd smoke them and prep it all up, but oh I think I need to go shoot a turkey now. Yeah. I just Smoke got my goose just got, is really good. I just too. got my taste buds moving. I, <laughs> I, need, I need to go get me another turkey. So what's the first thing you're going to... You just peel that back strap right off the deer and eat it? Off of the one I got today? Yeah. No, I took it all in to get processed. So, I mean, I'll get them back in whole. But um, I usually... I mean, when you get a back strap in whole, I mean, you know, you got a, a 24 to 30-inch giant slab of meat depending on how big your deer is and uh i mean usually i cut it up into fourths so that way you know you're not wasting you know as as you're going to prepare it and cook it but man i just like keeping them whole i mean throw them on a grill i mean there's a couple different ways that i've done the back straps i mean i've tried medallions i mean i've butterflied them i mean i've done this that and the other wrapping them in bacon but honest you know it also would be good take a small piece of that and Grind it up and make poppers out of it, like jalapeno poppers, bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. Even sliced thin. Yeah, we're yeah, even sliced yeah. thin. Tartar, tartar. You ever you ever done venison tartar? I have not. Oh, buddy, it's good. Doesn't that mean raw? It does mean raw. Or you you basically cook it in some kind of acid. Nope. 
That's nope. not tartare? You what's what's that when you cook you, it in acid? Oh, that's like a ceviche. A ceviche, that's what that is. Okay. Yep. So so I do my venison. I, I like to use uh the backstrap. I don't want to waste a tenderloin on it. But you grind it without a grinder. So you use your knife to manually cut this into small mints. And really it's just uh an egg yolk, some capers, and salt pepper. And the raw venison that's been cut very so, finely. So now we're getting salmonella poisoning along with our E. coli. Sure. If you're a pussy. <laughs> I'm going to take that out. No. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I've never gotten sick from it. Do you have to do that very quickly? Is that like something that you come right back to your camp and do right right now? No, I've done it. Are you letting same it sit? Week. Okay. What's, uh. what, what's the give back on eating a meal like that? <laughs> Define give back. Um, the cycle of it digesting through your body and you giving it back to the world. They're the same as normal. I mean, it's not bad. It doesn't sound like it'd be a fun time. No, I mean, your body still digests it. Sounds like me I mean, screaming. As, as long as our bodies have learned to digest McDonald's and Burger King... I think it can handle raw beef or raw venison. All right. Well, we'll save the the venison tartare for the last day of the beast next year. I'll tell you what, buddy. You bring me uh, a pound of that backstrap. I'll make it here next week. I got you. I will. I will bring. I'm not eating that shit. I've had dang near every. I've had raw venison, but at this point in my life, I'm good now. Bring me a half a pound, and you and I will. And I'll make you. I'll make you venison tartare. All right. Sounds good. You won't be upset, I promise. We're gonna have a cooking show in here next. Well, hey, I don't mind. We, you know, we talked about a lot of food before. Yeah, killing and grilling with Chris Sims. You're gonna try it though, right? <sighs> if you give me enough drinks, I might. I don't know. I'm telling you, buddy, it's it's fantastic. Just put some in your bourbon and then drink it after that. Oh yeah, chunky yeah. bourbon. Chunky, chunky meat whiskey. Yep. Just throw a little bit in that Just what I need. Cover it with some hurrah. You'll be fine. Yeah. Give me enough bourbon. You, we'll try it. And, and and maybe it's different because I don't, you know, I butcher it myself. Like, I know it's not exposed to anything at sure. all. Cause it's And that's the one, well, a big reason you don't put it through the grinder is a grinder is the best way to find all your bacteria. So if you've taken care of that piece of meat uh, and then you cut it with a knife, uh, I mean, eggs are eggs are safe now you know it's not the 19, I have it's seen, not the 1950s i've watched amish cut up pork 85 degrees in a blazing sun falling off of a log onto the ground you get away with that you'll be just fine with a little bit of venison oh i'm yeah. not i'm i've <laughs> eaten it raw as i mean you know not raw raw but even chad doesn't cook stuff very much yeah so. and that's the way to do it the only thing i won't do that with uh, is uh, store-bought poultry, like a duck sure. or chicken. something like that. Uh, I don't yeah, eat chicken raw very often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely want to cook through that. Yeah. <clears throat> Mark, you have anything uh, different, Wild? And even the on the... Anything different to add? Moose. Uh, moose is great. I'd add a bit. That's moose. really good. Emu is terrible. I've tried that quite a few times. It's are, horrible. Are we considering bison game? Because bison is no, awesome. I mean, if yeah, I suppose if you actually went and shot one, but not like a farm-raised one. Yeah, bison's good. I've had bison burgers, but these are all farm-raised bison. Again, you know, you go to places. 
It's good though, yeah. Yeah, out, west. out at uh used to be uh Montana. Yeah. Montana's ribbon chop used to have a, a bison ribeye and that was that was real good. Need to go to Australia and just get a kangaroo so we could have some kangaroo burgers. I've, if I've, you were older, you would have had kangaroo burgers. You guys don't I mean, in the eighties that's what I mean, that was a big scandal with McDonald's. Oh yeah, I remember the yeah. Is that they yeah. c- they cut their beef with kangaroo? Sure. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> remember that scandal. That's great. I think Dad was already working there then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ruffed grouse is my number one. If I could, if I could get it, I just can't. Even if I find like uh, an area where I can hunt grouse, I'm not going to do it because there are so few of them. Yeah. I don't need to shoot it and kill it. Well, it'd be it. closer to where you're at than where we're at. But uh, I, I know something that uh, I like to eat as well. Brian got to go out and fish for the other day with some uh, crappie. And, uh, boy, it's been a little too long since I've had some crappie. And it makes me want to, uh, if there was just a little bit of ice, I know you're not going up, but if there's a little bit of ice this winter, I would so not mind going and get crappie, some crappie. This weekend's the time to get them. It's right during yeah. water temperatures. They're going to be right up in the close to shore. Yeah. yeah, that's what Brian was, he was that out was on our local lake. You know, that's not a terrible place to crappie fish. There's a lot a lot of nice crappie there. Yeah, the water temperature is good now for him. You just got to get that temps down, and then things are like mush. Go, yes. Yeah, terrible. they're awful in the summer. They're that's one of the best when they're cold, but when they're warm. they're Cold water fish is always best. Yeah. I, I, I like them to the ice the every best. day of my life. Mm. Oh, yeah. Perch is the best. Perch yeah. is good. I, I, yeah. I, I like crappie through the ice, uh, and even walleye. I mean, you know, I your love dad catches I mean, lots of walleye. Mm. You fry up some walleye. There's no way to still go wrong. Still doesn't touch perch, but yeah, it's yeah, it's yep. good. Did you ever? Uh, did you guys ever do poor man's lobsters with uh, with walleye fillets? Mm-hmm. Boil awesome. them and then put them in the cold water and take you them out do and them with the, them and everything with see, the melted butter. You got to do them with the cheeks and the jaws. Mm. Yeah, that's the best way to do yeah. them. And old bay and butter. Yep. Yeah, we do that a lot. Collar the collars too. The quick fry the walleye collars. Yes, please. I tried the uh, fins last time. There's a chunk of meat there. There, I'm not wasting that. It's again. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah it's it's to not like it. it. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, you just fry it and just pull up it right off. It's kind of like scallop size, but it's not like nearly as good as like a cheek. It's not worth it. It's like it's it's firmer. It's got more texture. It's like chewier. It's nah, but worth a shot. Yeah, second only, <clears throat> I mean, my number one freshwater fish to eat has to be either mature smallmouth or musky, followed very close by by perch. Northern pike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, got to yeah, be over forty though. <laughs> There's got to be a good way to eat a uh, pickerel. I'm, I'm sure. sure. It's, I'm sure it's raccoons just love it. Filleting it, <laughs> filleting a pike. <laughs> yes, that was the best. Yes, the raccoons how they like it. Hey, I thought the last time I saw the, it needed up pretty good. I figured uh, we could figure out a way to at least make it okay. They're like I like when you grind them bones for us first. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some pickle recipes on them, but you know, I mean, everybody I've talked to says. Pike are just as dang good as eating, you know, close to a walleye. There's no difference with a pickerel. It's just the water. Pikes. As long as you have clean water, the fish is going to yeah. taste good. If he's in junky, nasty water, he's going to taste Pike buff, is delicious. I'm sure. I've I, eaten a lot of Canada pike. When we used to yeah. go to Canada every you year get for Cold, walleye. clean water. Colder the yeah, water yep. is. the, and That's even like seafood. Further north you go, the better it gets. Yeah. I mean, is the Maryland oysters great in Virginia? They're phenomenal. Go up north and get them. 
Yeah, Cape Cod oysters. It's just, it's just Maine the, lobster. The Maine. colder any seafood gets, the better it gets. Yeah, I mean, the difference between a Maine lobster and a Spiny lobster you're going to get in Florida or the Bahamas is night and day. Night and day. Yep. So, uh, also at this party, we uh, took festivity in some silliness. Good. Uh, my sister got these cases of these, uh, uh, the seltzers, you know, alcoholic seltzers. $6 for a case at Hermes. They were clearancing them. And I was like, I would have went and bought every case just because I can't even buy Yingling that cheap. No. <laughs> I'll get white girl wasted for the next three months. Don't tempt me. You can't even buy Jenny Cream that cheap. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So everybody, well, as I'm soon as every. Jenny Cream. I do too. Well, as soon as everybody found out that, you know, there was $6 cases, nobody felt bad about drinking their seltzers. So then everybody started pounding these seltzers, which was like Chad and a few friends of ours and high school friends. And uh, it became a pogo stick, adult pogo sticking competition. And uh, Oh, that's not dangerous. Oh, no, it was no, not dangerous one bit. Uh, adults on pogo sticks. And to see the competition come out <laughs> and, you know, we'll say... If, Ten drunk dudes hanging out <laughs> around a pogo stick. You know, little girls got the pogo stick. It's my cousin's daughter. And we're like, give us that pogo stick now. You know, it's like stiff-armed a little kid out of the way. Took the pogo stick off her. One dude got so mad he fell off the pogo stick early. Wings the pogo stick in the yard. Almost takes out a few kids. Uh, it was a good time. It got really competitive. <laughs> Almost killed some kids. We had a blast. Oh, it was a great time. Uh, Jay was all right up until that. Once the kids almost got killed, it was a great time. Oh, we were. Oh, it was a hoot. I uh, so the, the record started low. You know, it was you know, you got six. Yeah, six, six, six bounces. Six, six bounces. You know, and everybody and and it was great because all every grown up there was like, you know, as you're counting, as you're bouncing, one, two, they're counting along. You know, so we're all like, you know, I I get to like twelve. The one time. So I set the record for just a second. I'm like, all right, if I keep pogoing and and trying to be competitive here, I'm going to end up hurting myself. Well, not just that, but you're shaking up every carbonated seltzer in your belly. That absolutely is probably. (laughs) Well, I had had like six pieces of pizza from, uh, what's that, Plaza Pizza there. So, oh, I love it, dude. Oh, oh dude. give it, give it to me. That's All like it. just taking a straight animal right there. Oh, man. I love yeah. it. It's, it's a straight sheet of congealed cheese. Oh, it oh, is. You're damn right. As fast as it goes in, is as quick as it goes out. Oh, Chad, Chad definitely oh, proved that at God, that night. <laughs> I, I went to go into the bathroom. Like, He's like, is, don't go in there, dude. Is, I, I don't know what it is with that stuff, man. It's worse than Taco Bell. Oh, it was great. Oh yeah. Along with all the other, you know, animal I've already talked about eating, so. Yeah. Oh, man. Few few yinglings. You're like, good thing you didn't have to work the next morning. You're going to crap your pants again. Couple seltzers. Oh, yeah. I was ready to pogo. So I got in there good. Uh, another guy, Jason, also named Jason, a good guy I went to school with. He uh, he did well, too. And, uh, oh, he's yelling at something. Probably the damn chipmunk, the no, dog. You but said pogo. Is that dude still alive? Yeah. I think he works out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, Jay was doing pretty good. He was getting into it. Uh, you know, a couple other guys were getting into it. Guess who set the final record? Chad Bauer. In all of his fatness. <laughs> and I apologize yet. Uh, because he compressed the spring like it was barely moving. <laughs> <laughs> or like you at least got to hop if you're going to count it. 
No, but he did. He did. And then he went one-handed for a while, too. And I was like, you son of a bee, like you. putting a grand piano in the back of a ranger on that oh, thing. Oh, yeah. We, 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 looked up, uh, we looked up for the next party. We looked up adult pogo sticks that somebody might be ordering. Um, these ones go up to 210 pounds. So Chad said, still not good enough for me, but I, I think it'll go a little less low to the ground. So might invest in one of those. Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and look up, like, there's a group called, I think it's Pogo Madness. We they came to Applefest a couple years ago. They're doing like triple flips on their pogos and stuff like that. I think they were on America's Got Talent. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, they they were they we shut down Twelfth Street for for them during Applefest, and their hype guy was like a WWE hype guy. Sure. Like it was it was fun to watch. Tragically, I was there all weekend, so I got to watch it like twenty times. Once would have been cool. But <laughs> this was not that. <laughs> I uh, believe that. But at least none of the grown-ups ended up hurting themselves, breaking anything, you know. Good. But it's always fun to get out there and dick around when you're all drunk with your friends. Yes, it is. Hey, on that note, I don't have much else unless you guys want to keep talking about muskie and, and anything else fly fishing related. I think people really only want to hear about muskie right now when we catch them. And uh, hopefully we'll be doing that here in the next week or two. Uh, I know I'm. I know I'm going to get out one evening this week because next weekend is daylight savings time, and there's no fishing after work once that starts because it gets dark at noon. I got to be Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, so daughter's soccer team is playing a D10 championship game. It's up in Franklin. Oh, is it mm-hmm. Wednesday? Wednesday. What do you think about? Maybe missing? No, you can't miss that game. It's your daughter, daughter's detention. No, I can't miss that because Sunday's her soccer banquet, and I'm missing at the guide. Oh yeah. So yeah, my wife's like, it's not her senior year. You're good, but what, uh, what time's the game? Five thirty. Oh yeah. Maybe we go before. Maybe. Oh no, I can't. Uh, I got swim lessons. Yeah, it's gonna be for the kid, not me. Yeah, I watched. Chris is over here getting held up in the pool. <laughs> I watched your eyes get real big. Like I've got something to say. Yep, so I, that one up. <laughs> so I had to That's gonna be an interesting day though, too. <laughs> we got pushed at sixty water temps, and it's going down to twenty-five that night. Mm-hmm. That's gonna push them fish hard yeah, and for the that most that day. Yeah. Then it's going to warm right back up. Next weekend's looking great. Is yeah, next weekend. Mid-50s, really you know, good October, November temps. So hopefully we get some more rain tonight. Yeah, next Friday is my son's seventh birthday. Nice. Um, next week we will be talking with the uh, Spaco Reels. Cool. Uh, the owner of Spaco Reels. He has uh, some uh, – he wants to – I wrote it all down here. Give me one second. Oh, he's doing hosted trips to Newfoundland. Um, he's, uh, has a few dates left. He wants to talk about that, about the reels he has to offer, um, what he does there in Wisconsin and the trips that he does do and the guides in Newfoundland. So awesome. That should be be a good talk. He's been on the podcast before. I him and I spoke on the telephone the other day. I had a great, had a great conversation. So I can't wait to talk to him next week. And, uh, I think the week after I will be in, um, the Niagara, I think we'll be taking that week off. Probably try to roll the next week bef- after that, and 
we'll see how the hunting weekend goes. Probably not that weekend. So yeah, probably not. Uh, I talked to both Borskis this week because the area where we went fishing for sailfish was it's like an hour north of Acapulco. So Hurricane Otis hit that area real hard. So I reached out to Tim and Joseph to see if uh, the guides and the because t- the town's on a huge hillside, <laughs> right? And the biggest fear there was landslides. So uh, everybody everybody came out okay. There was just, you know, a, a couple tiny landslides slides that shut down the roads. But, you know, everybody was okay. It didn't flood out the fishing village or anything. But it was good. But uh, Joseph's real interested in coming on here in the next couple of weeks. Sounds great. We'll, uh, yeah, that'd we'll be get great. it all set up. And uh, love talking to guides So and, and people out there in the fly fish community. Um, with all that, hey, Mark, who we brought to you by? We got Yeti, built for the wild, Sims Fishing. Check them out at simsfishing.com, A-Rex Fresh and Saltwater, and Cortland Lines. We got friends of the show, Ryan Evans of Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis, Down to Earth Wealth Management, Thomas Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods, <laughs> Muskie Fool, and our friends over at Nittany Valley Muskie Alliance. Uh, I'm going to put a plug in for everybody's social media. Real quick, check out SVS fishing on instagram check out our facebook page svs fly fishing podcast uh you just have to answer some questions they're really basic questions but we usually get some good conversation over there and it's it's a group of of like-minded individual individuals who are generally pretty awesome uh mark's instagram is urban fly co j dr j in the svs fishing one i i run as well Yep, I am uh, Flats Pirate. And I'm uh, your friendly outdoor Jimbo here. Right on. So check us, check out social media, check out the Facebook page. Uh, quick little teaser, it's looking like January 27th for the F3T in Franklin. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>